Well, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 6. We're looking at what we call the hard passages. And we call them hard because sometimes you look at them and you go, what, what does that really mean? In fact, we could put this up like this. Sometimes it looks as if a believer might could lose their salvation. They'll talk about falling away or doing this or not being able to do something. So you say, gosh, what does that mean? And then there's sometimes that passages look like you have to do good works. Faith without works is dead. What does that mean? And so all of these kind of things. And so we've been looking at them. And what we know is that salvation is always by grace through faith. It is not works. And that eternal life means eternal. And so salvation is a gift. It's by faith, and it's forever. And so uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10. Hebrews 6 today, and we'll touch on it again next week and then get Hebrews 10. And so we'll see how it ties together. So let's start with this. And uh, can a believer fall away from the truth? The answer is yes. The big question is, can they fall away from salvation? And the answer is no, listen, uh, you can, people can move away from the truth of the Bible. They can quit believing the Bible. They can quit believing about Jesus. But if they have believed in Jesus Christ, what do they have? If they rushed to Christ for eternal life, what do they have? Eternal life. And so it's, it's, you can't look at that and say, okay, you lose your salvation. There's no such thing as that. When a person trusts Christ and falls away, and they stop coming to church, they quit growing, they, don't, they go back to an old lifestyle, they believe something else. Some people want to question this, say maybe they're not saved, uh, or if they're not faithful. Or some, the truth is this, if we're not faithful, and we're not, God is always faithful. So this morning we want to look at a passage that a lot of people bring up, and they'll say, here's a person who's fallen away, and, it, and they'll act, the passage actually says to them, if they've fallen away, it's impossible for them to be saved again. So they sometimes people come and say, if you're a believer... You fall away from the truth, you lose your salvation, you can't be saved again. That's what they say, and that's Hebrews chapter 6, and we'll see how it goes. Now, let me remind you, and I'm going to go quickly through some things we talked about last week, and that is the gospel, there's the message, the response, and the offer. And when we say gospel, I want you to understand something. Every time you see the word gospel, it doesn't mean the gospel message, the gospel message, response, and offer dealing with eternal life salvation. There is a gospel that Jesus and John the Baptist preached at the beginning of their ministry. It was to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They were wanting the nation of Israel to come back and understand that they were in rebellion against God and that the Messiah was here. That's a different message. There's also in the, gospel, in the book of Revelation, which we're going to see, it's called the gospel of the kingdom. And then there's another gospel called the eternal gospel. And what is that? Well, we'll have to we'll look at that. So when you see the word gospel, it doesn't always just mean the eternal life salvation passage. When we're talking about it here, we are using it that way. There is a gospel message, response, and offer. Uh, there's the idea of assurance and security and understanding we're secure. Those two big areas. Well, let's think about the gospel. So what is the message? The message is that Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again to conquer death. That's it. You hear me say it a lot of times. That's the message. Now, that message right there is not the salvation message. You can believe Jesus died and rose again. You can even believe that he died and rose again for you. That doesn't save you. He died and rose again for who? Every human being. So that's not the salvation message. This is what he did. This is the message of what he did. The response to that message is to believe. We're going to see believe what in just a second. It's always by faith. It's always taking God at his word. Salvation is never by works but by faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not yourselves. Not It's the gift of God. Galatians 2, 16, knowing a man is not justified by the works of the law but by faith in Jesus Christ. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy, he saves us over and over and over. And by the way, there, over in the Gospel of John, 90, 98 times it talks about salvation and faith. And so, uh, you know, we could put up a bunch of verses. In fact, what I'm going to do, I think what I'm going to do is get about 10 
solid verses, that, and there's hundreds, but 10 solid verses that talk about salvation and salvation by faith and getting eternal life and getting those for us, and we could hand that out as well. And so with that idea, then we talk about the offer. The offer is eternal life. John 3.16, whoever believes get eternal life. 1 Timothy 1.16, Paul says, I'm an example of those who believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. When a person trusts in Jesus Christ, what do they get? What do they get? What is the offer? The offer is what? A good life? Is the offer forgiveness? No, it's not, actually. You get forgiveness of sin when you believe, but the offer is not forgiveness. The offer is eternal life. The offer is life forever with Jesus Christ. Our grow group had a great discussion last week when we broke, got in there, and we talked about a lot of things. I hope your grow group was the same way, because when we really get down to this thing, there's so much confusion in our world on what must a person do. What do they believe? We believe that Jesus Christ gives us eternal life. And we talked about this. In fact, I've got something for my grow group this morning because we know that from Lewis Berry Chafer's systematic theology, there are 33 things that happen the moment you believe. One of those is you get forgiveness. One of those is you become a child of God. One, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell. One, you're placed in the body of Christ. So there's a bunch of different things. But the offer is eternal life. That's what he's offering. So when you're talking to people, you're telling them the great news that God, Jesus died and rose again, and if you believe in him, you get what? Eternal life. That's what it is. The idea of security, people need to understand that when they believe they're saved and saved forever. Uh, that, you know, that's, that's kind of the key. And so we raised these questions last week just for fun. What does eternal life mean? It means what? Forever. Life forever. Now, eternal life is life forever with Jesus Christ. That's eternal life. Human beings will exist forever. It's called the second death. It's separation from Jesus Christ forever, and it's in the lake of fire, which is called hell. So an unbeliever does not have eternal life. They will exist forever, or they actually will die forever, called the second death, separated from Jesus Christ. So don't say everybody's going to get to live forever. Some people are going to die forever, and some people are going to live forever, which is eternal life, whoever believes in Christ. Okay, the second thing is either salvation is grace or works, it's not both. And that's why I've seen people say, well, you can believe in Jesus Christ and you're saved, but if you don't live right, you lose it or you never had it. Well, that's works. It's either faith or works. It can't be both. If, if, if it is grace, it's no longer works. Otherwise, uh, no, if it's grace, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace if it's works at all. And then there are clear verses that show eternal life. John 10, 27, 28, I give him eternal life. First John 5, 13, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things are written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. And, of course, we all know John three sixteen. So we just reviewed that and and she asked let me just say this she asked a great question look at me for a second she she asked a great question last week i just want to remind you she said she'd always heard something about head faith and heart faith and how does that work when we look in the scripture we won't find anything saying head faith heart faith faith is taking god at his word it is being certain of something it is uh being persuaded of something and faith is always in your brain what people want to say is, you can believe something about Jesus, but unless you have this feeling, unless you have this emotion, it's not real. That's not biblical at all. Faith is always faith in a propositional truth. The propositional truth is Jesus died and rose again and offers the gift of eternal life, and whoever believes in him has eternal life. Faith is taking the gift of eternal life simply by faith. That's what it is. So it was a great, great question. Um, so 
We're now moving to the book of Hebrews because we just got all this background. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at two places from the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written to Jewish believers. Now, we're going to talk about it in just a second. Two confusing passages, Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10. And the book was written to believing Jews. Now, let me just say this. This is the first century. The temple has not been destroyed. When was the temple destroyed? Anybody know? A.D. 70. So this has to be written before A.D. 70 because they're Jewish believers, believed in Jesus Christ. They've gone back under the Mosaic law and they're offering sacrifices again. As if what Jesus did wasn't what? It wasn't enough. That's what they're doing. So he's writing to them, and that's why the book is called Hebrews, because he's writing to, to believers. Let me show you something. He calls them believers. In chapter 3, verse 1, he calls them holy brethren. Chapter 3, verse 12, take care, brethren. Chapter 10, verse 19, brethren. Chapter 13, verse 22, I urge you, brethren. Listen, there is no doubt that he's writing to believers. Now, I've got one other place I want to show you something. This is in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. He says, he writes to them and says, by this time you ought to be what? Teachers. Now, let me ask you something. Would the writer tell believers they should be teaching the word of God? Of course not. So he's writing to believers. So I want you to know that throughout history, there are people who will come to this passage and they'll say, these people aren't believers. The other people will come to this passage and say, they're believers, but they lose their salvation. Other, and, and you might could get it back. There are others who say, these are believers, they lose their salvation, and they can never get it back. So I just want you to understand there's a lot of views here. So what's the, really the right view? What, what, uh, what do we believe? What, how, what fits together? Well, let me remind you again that these were Jewish people who believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, and they're saved and saved forever, and then persecution came. And they began to be persecuted for their faith. And some of the Jews said, I'm not, I'm not going to go through this anymore. I'm just going to go back under Judaism and just be like a Jew, even though I believe that Jesus is the Savior and I've trusted in him and I've believed in him for eternal life. I'm, I'm going back and I'm going back under the law. And when they went back under the law, what did they do? They started offering sacrifices. Now, all the sacrifices were really a foreshadow of Jesus. They were a picture that Jesus is going to die on the cross, pay for sin, rise again, and he is the final sacrifice for sin forever. They're going back, and they're offering sacrifices as if what Jesus did wasn't enough. And so the writer, whoever the writer to Hebrews is, nobody knows. We don't know. He writes, and he wants them to realize that Jesus is better than the law, he's better than Moses, he's better than angels, he's better than any sacrifice, he's better than the priesthood, he's better than all of that stuff under Judaism, that they don't need to go back, they need to go forward, they need to grow as believers. And so with that in mind, he comes to this passage, and let me put it up here for you. What, what, where's the hard passage? Here it is. Now let me read it to you. He's writing to them, and he says, and then having fallen away... It's impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. And then he says this, For the ground that drinks the rain which often falls upon it brings forth vegetation, useful to those who forsake it is also tilled and receives a blessing. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it's worthless, close to being cursed, ends up being burned. Some people look at that and they say, if you fall away, you can never be saved again, and you're going to be burned up. That's what they say. Okay, they're wrong. 
That passage doesn't say that at all. In fact, what we're going to look at it, and so here's some questions. What does it mean having fallen away? What does it mean it's impossible to renew them to repentance? What does it mean they crucify the Son of God? What does it mean it's worthless and ends up being burned? What does all that mean? Well, you know, it's really not that hard. Now, let's, let's think about it for a second. These are believers, right? They're Jewish believers who's done what? What have they done? They've gone back under the what? Mosaic law. And so as we look at this passage, sometimes people raise two questions. Are these believers who lose their salvation? What's the answer? No, because you can't what? Because eternal life means eternal life. Are these people who were never saved? What do we see just so far when he says, by this time you should be teachers? Just, just for that one aspect. Uh, are, the, are they saved or not saved? Well, let me just show you some things. He says you become dull of hearing. Would you tell an unbeliever you become dull of hearing of the Bible? Hebrews 5, 12, he says, by this time you ought to be teachers. You think you'd tell an unbeliever they ought to be teachers? And then verses 13 and 14, he says, everybody who partakes of milk is like a baby, but solid food is for the mature. He's making a contrast between a baby Christian and a mature Christian. Are these believers baby Christians or mature Christians? They're babies. Listen, they've gone, back, they've gone away from the truth. So what does he say to them? He says in Hebrews 6, 1, therefore... Leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, let's press on to what? Would you tell an unbeliever to press on to maturity? No, you tell a believer. What's happened to them? They did so good, and then they started getting pressure, and then they finally said, I, I, I can't take this anymore. I'm going back because they won't persecute me if I'm Jewish because the Jews and the Romans were persecuting Christians. So if I go back and be a Jew and go back to the sacrifices, I'm okay. He says, you've become dull of hearing. By this time, you ought to be teachers. You're like a baby Christian. You ought to go on to maturity. That's what he says. And then he gives a description of them. And I want you to see it. And you tell me, do you think is a description of a believer or an unbeliever? Now, already, what do we think? Are they believers or unbelievers? They believe. That's not any doubt. But let's see what he says about them. Is this a description of a believer? He says, listen to this, in the case of those who have been enlightened. That means in the past. What does it mean to be enlightened? It means to be able to grasp and understand. We would say possibly those who have been born again. He says, you've tasted the heavenly gift. What is the gift? The gift of? eternal life. They've got, he says, you've got the good. They're partakers of the Holy Spirit. Who gets the Holy Spirit? Believers or unbelievers? Believers. They've tasted the good word of God. Can an unbeliever know God's word? Not really. And then he finally says, and you understand the powers of the age to come. You've understood the future things. Now, let me ask you a question. Is this a Are these he's writing to believers or unbelievers? It's believers. He calls them brethren. He tells you ought to be growing. You ought to be teaching. You've become dull. You need to go on maturity. You've been enlightened. You've got the gift of eternal life. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've understood the word of God. All of these things are true. And then he says in verse 6, and then having fallen away. Some Bibles actually say if they fall away. Anybody got a translation that says if they fall away? Anybody got that? I don't think any of our people normally would have a terrible Bible like that. But anyway, no. So some say if they fall away. That actually says, and having fallen away. He's writing to believers who've done what? 
They've fallen away. And he says it, you've fallen away. Now, can a believer fall away? Yeah. We see it all the time. Now, we live in a world that says, if a believer says, a guy says they're a believer, and then they get to a point they kind of fall away and they quit growing, a lot of people say, oh, they must have never been a believer. Or other people say they must have lost their salvation. But we already know that if you're a believer, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life and you're saved and you're saved forever. Okay? Can you fall away? Yeah. Second Peter, remember the sayings of Peter? Be in your guard lest you follow the false teaching of these things and fall from your own what? Steadfastness? Could you fall away? Could any of us in this room fall away? That means that we were growing, we were doing good, and then we fell away. This story, I'm just looking at the time. Uh, I, I had a young guy that this has been years ago. He came to me. He was kind of on fire. He wanted to be an intern. I let him be an intern in our church, and he, he met with me two to three times a week. We went through Bible studies. He actually served on Sunday morning. He was on fire. He was just, oh, he was growing up a storm. Summer came. I didn't see him anymore. Fall came. I never saw him. He didn't come back. I thought, gosh, I guess he graduated. I, di- I didn't think he graduated, but I did. And I got a call from his dad in right close to the end of the first semester. And he said, have you seen my son? And I went, no, I haven't seen your son. I thought, I thought he graduated. He said, no, he, got, he didn't graduate. He got into a geology class, and they told him the Bible wasn't true and that all these ages and stuff. And he just said, okay. And he quit. And so he never, he said, he told me, he said, I can't go see JB, but I'm not going back to church. I don't believe any of this anymore. Did he fall away? He did at that point. I've never seen him since then, by the way. Uh, Is he, he's lost, right? No. Did he have eternal life? Yes. And, And so some people say, no, if you fall away. Now, can a believer fall away? He says, and having fall away, having fallen away, then he says this, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance, change of mind, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. So the two things are, what does it mean renew to repentance and crucify the Son of God? Well, renew to repentance literally means a change of mind. It's impossible for them to have a change of mind as long as they're offering these sacrifices, as long as they're back under the, the, the whole idea of the Mosaic law. Because what they're saying is, Jesus isn't enough for me, and I'm back over here, and so are they in fellowship with God? No, and he says it's impossible for them to get a change of mind and get back into fellowship with God as long as they're doing what? As long as they're crucifying the Son of God. And that means as long as they're offering sacrifices as if what Jesus did wasn't enough. Have they lost their salvation? Have they lost their fellowship? Yes, that's what's wrong. They're out of fellowship with God. And so as long as they crucify Jesus Christ, as long as they are offering sacrifices as if Christ wasn't enough, as long as they're doing this, they can't get the change of mind and get back into fellowship with God. That's all he's saying. He's saying, as all of you who, he says, you're dull, you ought to be teachers, you need to go into maturity, but you've been born again, you have the Holy Spirit, you understand the Word of God, you've been enlightened, you've got the gift of eternal life, you have now fallen away, and it's impossible for you to get back into fellowship as long as you're crucifying the Son of God. That's what he's really saying. As long as you're crucifying the Son of God, you can't get back into fellowship. And, and let me just do this. So let me remind you of what we're saying. And if we got time, and we stop here in a second, if we got time, we'll open up for questions like we did last week before we go into the grow group time. But he's saying to these Jewish believers, 
as long as you've gone back under Judaism and you're continuing to offer sacrifices and go back under the Mosaic law, it will be impossible for you to get back into fellowship and to have this change of mind as long as you're doing that. And he clarifies it by saying, you're crucifying to themselves the Son of God. How are they crucifying the Son of God? They keep offering sacrifices. You know, there's a, there's a religious group that every time they meet, they crucify the Son of God. Every time. Every time. Every time they have the Lord's Supper, is the body and the blood of Jesus. He dies again. That's why he's always on the cross in their churches. That's not good. That's not good. You understand? Our cross doesn't have Jesus on it. Why? Because he's not on the cross. He's not dying over and over again. He only died one time, offered himself as the final sacrifice for sin, and he's done what? Set down by the right hand of the throne of the Father. So be real careful. And he's saying to these believers, brethren, listen, you, you ought to be teachers. You've become dull of hearing. You need solid food. You've got to go into maturity. You know what's right. You've been a believer. You're a believer. You've got the Holy Spirit. You understand about salvation and everything. You've now fallen away. And as long as you're in that situation, you're not going to get back into fellowship. And then he gives two things. He's going to show results. Look at verse 7. For the ground that drinks the rain which falls on it and brings forth vegetation used for those whose sake is also tilled, they receive a blessing. He said there's good ground that gets blessing from God. But, now here's a contrast. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it's worthless. Close to being cursed, ends up being burned. You know what he's saying? Listen, if you get back with God, you're going to bring forth vegetation. You're going to be rewarded. But if you don't, you're like the thorns and the thistles, and it's worthless. And there's no fruit. That's all he's saying. I've had people say, well, it got burned, so that means it went to hell. It has nothing to do, this is not a heaven or hell issue. This is a fellowship issue. And he says, and, and look, I love the next verse. But beloved, we are confident or convinced of better things concerning you and the things that accompany salvation. He says, I'm confident you're going to get back. You're going to get back. You're going to stop all this. You're going to turn away from Mosaic law, get back to Jesus, get back in the fellowship, and start growing again. And then you'll produce fruit. Or if you don't, you're going to have thorns and thistles, and it'll be burned up. You know, when you stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, and in 1 Corinthians 3, he says it'll be tested by what? Anybody know? By fire. He says if it's gold, silver, and precious stone, you light it on fire, it's still there. If it's wood, hay, or straw, you put it on fire, it's gone. He's saying, this stuff you're doing, it's going to be all burned up. No rewards. No rewards. Wow. Now, this, that's a hard passage. So, can we know that when you believe, you're saved and saved forever. You can't lose your salvation. This is dealing with fellowship. So, could you... Could you help somebody understand this? Now, it's not just going and saying, let me read this verse. It's understanding what the book of Hebrews is about, who it's written to. Are they called brethren or not? What is he telling them at the end of five and the beginning of six? He's actually saying, by this time you ought to be teachers. You're dull of hearing. You need to go into maturity. We know you're a believer, and you've now fallen away. As long as you're doing this, you can't get back in fellowship. That's basically what he's saying. So let me give you some application. Well, Hebrews says he's, he's convinced of better things. That it's not going to be thorns, it's going to be vegetation. He says, I think you're going to get back and you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, well done. Listen, he, it's never too late. We've seen it on Sunday morning. We've gone through all those churches. Everything at the end, he said, now, the one who overcomes gets this. 
He doesn't say it's too late for you. He never says that in any of the letters. Even the one that was, that was the dead church or the dying church, he never said it was too late. In fact, he said, turn this thing around. And so let me tell you, any believer, if you get away, you fall away, you mess up, just remember, it's never too late. So let's realize that believers can fall away. A believer can turn away from the faith and the word of God. Listen, there's a verse that I probably should bring it up. And by the way, I told you this. If you think of a verse or a passage that bothers you, that you consider a hard passage, write it down, get it to me. And I'll, if, I, if I hadn't already planned to do it, I'll put it in there. But there's a passage where Paul writes and says, see if you are in the faith. And people take that to mean, check and see if you think you're a believer. That's not what he's talking about. The faith is the body of truth, the word of God. He's actually saying, see if you're living by scripture. And you got to be real careful how people would just take a passage like Hebrews 6 and say, not only can you lose your salvation, you can never get it back. Wow. So can a believer turn away from the faith and the word of God? The answer is yes. Remember this, eternal life means eternal so be ready to give an answer for the hard passages. So this is our first real hard passage. Uh, write it down, look at it, uh, talk to me, and you know you can come see me if you say, I want to get more information, I want to get enough, uh, and make sure how it fits together. But this is how we look at it. Here's the second thing. Let's understand the results of how we live as believers. Think about it. Faithfulness leads to rewards. What happened? Unfaithfulness leads to what? The loss of rewards. Do you want to be vegetation and get a blessing? Or do you want to be thorns and thistles and it be burned up? These people, if they didn't change, they're going to be thorns and thistles. He says, I'm convinced of better things for you. I think you're going to turn it around. It's never too late to turn it around. Okay, let's do this. We got two or three minutes. Any questions about this? Okay, anything? Yes. I'm coming over there because I'm old and I can't hear. Okay. Is repentance necessary for salvation? We know that works is not. Okay. That's a great question. Okay. Here's the question. Is repentance necessary for salvation? Well, the answer is no. Repent means change of mind. And what we have is a book, the book of John. I just want you to think about it. John, the gospel of John, is the only book written in the New Testament to unbelievers. You understand that? Matthew was written to certain people, Mark, Luke. Then Acts was written, and all the letters were written by Paul and Peter. They're all to believers. The only book in the New Testament that's written to unbelievers is the book of John. All the way through the book of John, 98 times he says, believe, believe, believe. In fact, almost every time it's believe in him for eternal life, okay? Never once is the word repent or repentance found in the gospel of John. If repentance was necessary for the, to, to have salvation, if the guy who wrote the book that tells people how to be saved, if it was necessary, he would probably have repentance in there, but he doesn't. He just says faith, faith, faith. Some people want to say this. They want to say since repent means a change of mind, then anytime you believe, you've changed your mind about what you believed. Well, if you want to say that, that's okay, but that's not what John says. John doesn't say, now you've changed your mind, now you've repented. He says, believe, 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 believe. And, and by the way, some people say, well, John didn't use the word repent, he just doesn't know the word. Well, in the book of Revelation, 
Repent is used 14 times. He knows the word. So for salvation, for eternal life salvation, repentance, and a lot of people think repent means what? Turn from sin. And so people want to say you need to turn from your sin and then believe. Well, if, if that's what, how you got saved, I think John would have said it. Yeah, okay, uh, you got to follow up. This is like a press conference. You can only get one. But anyway, okay. What, what, what's your follow up? Okay. Uh, okay, so we know that sin caused separation. Death is mm-hmm. separation from, from God. Mm-hmm. When we become believers, we receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. How can we receive the Holy Spirit if we don't repent? Like, okay, that's a great question. But your, your first assumption is that sin separates us from Jesus Christ. It does not. Jesus Christ has already died on the cross to pay for every sin of every person. Sin is not the issue when we talk about salvation. The issue is faith. Jesus Christ has already died on the cross to pay for all sin. He's already rose from the grave to conquer death. And the issue is not whether I deal with my sin or get my sins dealt with. They already are. He that believes is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Holy... It's not because of sin. So sin's not the issue. So sin was already taken care of by Jesus Christ. So the issue now is faith.